Fit and Theater of the Words presents The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future, Episode 17, The Constantine Gene Pool. Maria Almonte very cleverly convinced Wilson at the meeting to allow her to improve her job skills and tour the silo station. Wilson, reacting as Glass had ascertained, wanted her out of his sight. Maria left the meeting early and tapped directly into the food production computer, using her voice command and credentials. Within a half an hour, she had converted the records of every food shipment from the moon on a square card. She hurried to the transitway, opening ahead. Well, said Glass, I would say I'm about ready to go. His two assistants, sitting at the same table, knew exactly what he meant. Well, Manfred, said Arier, as if the conversation were being tapped, let's hope all goes well with your summary to Merriweather. He lifted up his Supron cup. I think, uh, oh no, look who's coming over here. Crossing the cafe from the terminal was the well-dressed Neville Constantine. He looked upset, and his eyes had the intensity of a firing blaster. Glass sipped on the Supron and pretended not to look at Neville, who stood now only a few meters from the foul-smelling liquid. I shan't be long, Inspector, he said. Oh, Neville, I didn't see you come in. Just call me Manfred. It's, it's the friendly thing to do, he said, tipping the cup as if he were toasting the dark-haired man. What do you think you're doing, tormenting my brother about all this? I believe you're doing this just to unnerve me. Well, it isn't going to work. I've done nothing wrong. Glass, who was acquiring an intense hatred of Neville, was extremely aggravated by his pugnacious attitude. He stood and walked over to Neville with the Supran cup still in his hand. Neville, squinting from the smell, stepped back. Get that away from me. You know it makes me sick. Let me tell you something, said Glass, as he nudged Neville across the room. You let me handle my investigation in the way I want to handle it. If you're so innocent, you have nothing to worry about. He scolded as his foot caught the legs of one of the chairs. He fell forward, splattering the superin over Neville's white Ralston. Neville was transformed into a mass of kinetic movement as, as he flung the Ralston to the ground. Frantically, he wiped the remaining superin off his pants and his turtleneck as if it were a deadly germ. But it was having the effect that he feared. His sinuses were obstructed and his eyes watered. In his stomach, he felt a heaving nausea and parts of his skin had broken out in hives. He turned and walked quickly from the cafe, leaving the stained Ralston behind on the floor. Glass smiled broadly. He had never seen the powerful Neville Constantine so helpless, impotent to stop the effects of the allergy. Manfred, I wouldn't have missed that one for the world, said Stephanie as she handed the computer to him. You did that on purpose, said Aria. I must say I couldn't have planned it any better if I tried. I'm innocent, he said, shaking his red jowls as he smiled. What a reaction, reiterated Daria. Well, I'll leave the good Mr. Constantine behind, he said as he faced the terminal. If you ladies will take care of the benefits, I'll be off to the silo. All taken care of, Manfred, said Stephanie. Good. What would I do without you two? Probably end up spilling Supran all over people, said Aria. Supran, that's a good one. I shall see you two later. 
Goodbye, Goodbye Manfred. Manfred, they said, as he left the cafe for the transit way with his computer under his arm. Glass slept most of the way across the lunar landscape to the silo. Maria sat on the opposite end of the passenger's lounge in a very relaxed and confident state, despite her sensitive mission. However, as the Earth's storage silo came within viewing distance, she could feel the beginnings of her doubts, second guesses, and fears of getting caught. It was only when she had been brought to safety inside the station and the tour began that she was at ease once again. Very commendable, Miss El Monte, not coming in the cafe upon the arrival of Neville Constantine. I thought it the only smart thing to do. And you were correct. Let us go forward. The scanner had been activated, recording the information Glass wanted to know. The inspector looked as if he were sightseeing on his own, convincing Merriweather that the questioning might go easier if they were walking casually throughout the silo. What both Glass and Maria observed inside the silo was astonishing. Empty bins abounded on every level, and other bins were half empty. Glass's first impression was the people on Earth had been mistaken in their judgment. It was just not possible to hold food back. Ships were leaving the moon all the time, well stocked, and here at the arrival point, food was in a depleted supply. You seem to be doing a remarkable business, Merriweather, said Glass as he looked at the empty bins and fed his superinhabit. Earth shipments, despite the so-called shortages, has never been better. I'm shipping out as much as I can. It's on its way to Earth almost to the minute we get it from one of our disks here on the lunar surface. I hear that Earth can use every little bit. I don't understand the complaint. My figures show that they are the ones who are mismanaging the distribution. Well, you can only do so much, right? Speaking of which, I have to authorize the remaining shipments. I can meet you below in my office, say, in a half an hour. Fine, fine. I wish to go over all other aspects of Neville's personality with you. Always happy to cooperate, especially when I have no choice. Oh, Merriweather, where can I get some more Supran? You still have voice privileges with the computers. Just have them get someone to bring it to the office. Glass went directly to Merriweather's lower office, overlooking Earth. It was midday in the central portion of the North American quadrants, and he could see the beginnings of night over the cloud-ridden planet. He settled back on the sulfur and tried to decipher the food problem. They had to be correct on Earth, he thought, which meant either Merriweather was lying or being lied to. Merriweather did not have Neville's business sense. However, it was the calamitous scene of Neville wiping the supran off his clothes that made Glass smile. He wondered what would happen if he pulled the same stunt with Merriweather. Would he act like a spoiled child? Glass thought deeper. Merriweather did not seem to have the same revulsion towards Supran as the other members of the family. He never allowed the liquid to be served three meters away without complaint. It could be his temperament. Glass was not sure, and the whole problem confounded him. Sound screens, computer. In place. Medical scan, the effects of a Supran allergy. Is there an antidote? Experiments have been attempted, Inspector, but with no degree of success. Hmm, he thought. 
Explain the genetic link of this disease. You will have to be specific. What I mean, computer, is how is the damn thing transmitted to offspring? Allergy is a definite result of a dominant gene from the parent causing the offspring to have the allergy. Are you saying it has to be that way a certain day? That is correct, Inspector. Inspector, Maria El Monte is outside with Mr. Merriweather Constantine. Drop screens and send them in, he instructed as he stood and was prepared to meet an armed guard. The doors opened and Maria was escorted inside by the smiling Merriweather. Inspector, this is Maria Almonte. She works in the Luna Aggregate Food Production Area. She's on a tour of the station. Inspector, how do you do? She smiled as if she had never met him. Miss Almonte? Miss Almonte was through with her tour. I'm going to leave her down here with you while I finish up my ship's inspection. Do you think I can trust you with him, Miss Almonte? Well, I don't know, Mr. Constantine, said Maria. He looks pretty spunky. Glass did a double take as he smiled. I will return in 15 or 20 minutes. Glass watched the lanky Merriweather leave and the doors closed. He ordered the screens up once Merriweather had left and he turned toward Maria. Spunky? Well, she said as they went over to the sofa. Mind if I dim the lights? I might get spunky. He laughed as he sat in front of the computer. No, go ahead, computer. Getting back to what we were discussing before. You said all offspring would be affected. Correct. I have the card with all the tonnage figures. Well, they can wait, said Glass. Computer birth record, lunar charter colony 35 years ago for Mr. Merriweather Constantine. Unavailable. What? Asked Glass. Refer to ultimate circuit section of Earth City computers. Well, scramble the request, he ordered. Request scramble. Constantine Merriweather M. Born 35 years, 5 months ago. Mother Marie N. Constantine. Father Darius B. Constantine. Born in sector medical section. Glass twisted on the sofa. He looked down at Earth. How many years ago were Darius and Marie married? 34 years, 11 months. After Merriweather was born. Correct. Glass, said Maria, are you trying to say he's illegitimate? Very perceptive, not that it matters nowadays. Just a hunch, but nothing gained, nothing lost. So what will that prove, she asked. We'll see, he answered. Computer, beginning 100 years ago, match Merriweather's physical characteristics and genetic disposition with his ancestors. Scans complete. Well? Possible blue-eyed match to William A. Jackson, great uncle of Marie Constantine. Further data needed. Well, go back as far as you can, said Glass. Scan blue-eyes on Jackson's mother's side. Correlating, there is a 20% possibility of an eye color coming from the other side of the family. Computer, taking into account his hair, weight, and general characteristics, as well as the genetics, which you don't have right now, what is the probability of Meriwether Constantine actually being the son of Darius Constantine and the carrier of the supernology? 
Probability is 5%. I don't believe it, exclaimed Glass. 5% is correct, said the computer. No, I was only speaking. If Merriweather is not Darius's son, then killing Darius would only work to Neville's advantage. Neville knew he would take Lunar Advocate as the only son. Or, said Maria, or what, Miss Almonte? Or maybe somehow Merriweather was aware of the illegitimate birth, got him so incensed at his father that he would murder the old man. Miss Almonte, you're overlooking one important fact. Merriweather was here at the time of the murder in this very office, although, said Glass, as he let the possibilities flow, they just saw him. No one really talked to him. He could have used a variation of the screens or have people lie for him. I think we've just opened a can of worms, Miss Almonte. My main concern right now is Neville. If I could somehow trace the, uh, he said as he turned to the computer. Computer, tap into the silos computers, day of the murder, scan the total weight of cargo transport down to the last milliliter. Was there any overage? Passenger weights and cargo weights were exact. Scan all flights of the preceding week. Did Meriwether Constantine return to the moon? Meriwether Constantine last on lunar service seven months ago. And when was Neville Constantine last on the Earth's storage silo? Twelve hours before the murder. Twelve hours? How convenient. And how many times in the week preceding the murder? Six times answered the computer. Well, 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 this whole thing could be nothing, but I'm going to question Merriweather as if the scenario were true. If he were the murderer, in complicity with the murderer, we might be able to catch him off guard. Merriweather was late. He came through the doors 45 minutes after he had dropped Maria off at the office. I must apologize for being late. We got bogged down with the shipment to the 10th Asian Quadrant. Oh, we were just waiting here, ready to ask you a few questions, said Glass, as Merriweather casually walked over to the sofa. Like how you managed to board the cargo transport on the day of your father's murder. Merriweather's face seemed to collapse inward. He tried to smile, but then began laughing nervously. What kind of nonsense is that? The same kind of nonsense which kept you out of your father's will, said Glass, raising his voice and jumping from the sofa. I've told you the will has been forgotten, he said as he stumbled over to the computer terminal. You would like it to be forgotten? If you're questioning me officially, I would suggest that Miss Almonte leave the room. Glass disregarded that suggestion, walking up to the taller man and sticking his curved nose directly in Merriweather's face. How long have you known you were illegitimate? Illegitimate? Really? I don't have time to listen to your insults. Oh, then you do consider it an insult that Darius Constantine was not your father. Merriweather half smiled as he fidgeted with his fingers. I don't know what you're talking about. You're just trying to prove, Inspector, but I, uh, I'll tell you what I'm trying to prove, shouted Glass. 
I'm trying to prove that someone suddenly informed you you were not Darius's son. The son of the most powerful man in the solar system. Something you had cherished from your childhood. The dream you had hoped for. Stepping into your father's shoes and running Luna Aggregate in his image. Wet accumulated on Merriweather's brow and his lips quivered as he spoke. You're, you're, you're a fool if you think this is all true. All of what? You seem to have a vast knowledge of what I'm thinking, Merriweather. Is that right? Do you know that what I'm saying is in fact true? Demanded Glass as Merriweather pulled out a blaster from the bottom drawer of the terminal. Now, what do you know? Smiled Glass calmly, even though he could have been on the edge of death. So you did it, did you? Stay right where you are, Miss El Monte, as the blaster shook in his hands, as it had on the day he probably killed Darius Constantine. What are you going to do with us? asked Maria in a rational voice. Never mind. Computer, prepare my air jet for immediate use from departure hangar 22. Where can you go, Merriweather? It's hopeless. Not quite, maintained Merriweather. Over to the door. Let's go. Don't think I won't kill both of you on the spot. Oh, I'm sure you would, said the cool glass as they walked ahead. Hands up, said Merriweather as he searched through their Rolsteads. Removing Glass's blaster, he threw it on the floor. Before we go, I only have one question. Yes? How did you know? And I have one answer, none of your business. Oh, you think you're so clever, said Merriweather as he pushed them into the corridor. They went right down to the movers, and the computer opened the doors. And I am, said Glass as he walked ahead of him. I know that Neville told you about your birth, he egged you on, told you how much your father hated you. And then I planned the whole scheme, laughed Merriweather. He stepped into the movers. I regret it now, but what's done is done, and I will not be prosecuted. I have a safe haven. The laws are very loose up here, Inspector. Computer, Hangar 22. Merriweather, forget your scheme and hand me your blaster, said Glass as he put out his hand. Oh, is that how it's supposed to go, Inspector? What do you take me for, a fool? In less than a week, I would be freezing in some greeny camp. No way. I've had this escape plan for some time. I planned it before the murder. It's foolproof. You may only hope it's foolproof, continued Glass. You are more secure with us. We hold no grudges. We're your friends. You sound convincing, but I am no fool, he said as the mover stopped. Out of the mover, out of the mover, out of the mover, and walked directly over to the air jet. The bright blue air jet inside the hangar was only 50 meters away. It was spacious enough, and Maria feared they were going on an unscheduled ride. Merriweather brought them up to the retracted stairs and into the cockpit, and then he turned. Good luck, Inspector, in your future investigations, that is. I only hope you'll have better luck in apprehending your suspects. He smiled as he backed up the stairs. And don't try anything. The ship has blaster capacity. Stay right here till I make my escape crawled into the cockpit and watched the stairs move upward. Maria looked over at Glass. Should we make a run for it? Miss Almonte, try and remember that prudence is a better companion than expedience. Will do as he says. Whatever you say, Inspector. Glass tilted his head and then looked back toward Merriweather inside the ship. 
We will alert the Earth authorities. That's a conventional air jet. We can catch it, or at least we'll know where he's going. And I have to ask you to keep this under wraps for now while I complete my investigation. Maria nodded as the jet moved slowly along the platform, which would bring it to the airlock. Once in position, the jet moved with the platform through the corresponding opening in the hangar roof. Merriweather wasted little time in getting the jet to the runway on the top of the silo. He ordered the computers to fully engage the fuel systems and the jet blazed across the Zambian into space. Quickly, it disappeared toward the constellations and out of visual sight. Glass had long since begun a slow trot back to the office. Merriweather in his rush to get away and had not relinquished Glass's voice command. Glass ordered the doors open and he ran over to his own computer. Computer, scramble this message to Jim Pierce at Earth City, he said as Maria stood by him, and put up the screens. Who's Jim Pierce? asked Maria. One of the chairman's close advisors, said Glass as Pierce came over the screen. Manfred, why are you calling me from the station? Jim, listen quickly. A ship just left here carrying Merriweather Constantine. He killed Darius Constantine. He killed his father. What? cried Pierce. You have a confession? Never mind the confession. Computer, relay Airjet's course to Mr. Pierce. Heading past the planet Venus in 3.7 weeks. Get him. He's not even out of the moon's gravity yet. Send ships out after him. Well, the chairman will have to be consulted. Jim, before he gets out of range. Point is well taken, Manfred. I'll dispatch as many ships as we can spare, but I have to talk to the chairman. Hold on while I give the orders. Miss Almonte, said Glass, you may go back to Earth now if you wish. I can arrange it. I'd like to stay. I thought you would. You're the one with the spunk. This is a classified operation, isn't it? She asked, pressing her lips together. If I could tell you everything, I would, he said. Have you got those cards with the tonnage figures? Oh, yes, yes, she said as she pulled the cards from her Ralston and handed them to Glass. He pushed them into the computer slot. While we're waiting for Jim, we can see what you have on the cards. Computer, compare tonnage shipments over the last six months. Has the tonnage coming into the silo storage area been going to Earth? A variance of two metric tons, but essentially correct. Very well. Tap into the Earth computers. I want the figures compared to the shipments actually received on Earth. Scanning. Earth has received less than one-tenth of the amount listed on those scans. One-tenth? Why, that's lunacy. Where the hell is it? Unknown answered the computer. Well, this is absurd, ridiculous, said Glass as he huffed and puffed. What in blue blazes am I going to tell Pierce? Tell me what? Asked Pierce as his image returned to the screen. With Jim, we have all the food production figures. Manfred, that's superb. Good going. Well, don't be so happy. They will only confirm what you already know. One-tenth of the food coming from the moon is reaching Earth. It's not up here, Jim. I'll be damned if I know what they're doing with it. The figures must be in error. Computer, relay all information on the cards and our conclusions to Earth City. You'll get these figures shortly. Jim, 
Jim, what's been done about Merriweather and that ship? Six ships will intercept him in approximately one hour. They have orders to bring him to Earth City. Who knows about Merriweather and what he said? Only me and the informant who got the FP information. Is he trustworthy? Glass smiled and looked over at Maria. She'll do, he said as she raised her eyebrows. All right, get on the cargo transport right now. If anything breaks, you'll go back to the moon for the said reason of tying up loose ends. The actual mechanics of the murder. If nothing breaks, just continue as if you were still looking for the murderer. We'll keep in contact with you. That's a good plan, Jim, but I'm slightly more concerned about Neville. If he should find out that Merriweather has been arrested... You'll have to play it by ear. Must get these reports to the agents, Manfred. You're the only one who can get that information, and I don't want it transmitted digitally. We'll have to risk any potential reaction by Neville. It being my life, you mean, smiled Glass. I just keep a hot cup of Supran and a plate of nudge cake waiting for me in the reserves. You bet. We'll get you that information, Jim, somehow. It's what happens after we get it that really scares me. It scares me more than I can say. Good luck, Manfred, said Pierce. We'll need it. Come on, Miss Almonte, let's get down to that transport before it leaves. He picked up his computer and they ran from the room toward an uncertain future on the lunar surface. And if the information that, that he had requested was received from Gigliano and Stracco, a state of war could exist between the moon and the planet Earth and he and Maria would be inside the enemy camp. Merriweather had assumed that Glass would call Earth, but he had no fear of Earth's fighting power. As far as he knew, no ship on Earth had blaster power which would equal that of Merriweather's air jet. His course had been set and he laid it back in his cabin in a relaxed state as he watched the stars pass overhead. After all that had happened, he was finally all alone. He felt no remorse for his deed, although he was uncertain about the consequences of that deed. Killing Darius had brought Neville to power, and that, to Merriweather, was the most frightening implication of his act. In other ways, he was satisfied with himself for standing up against Darius for the lies, the overall deception and the rejection he had experienced during his life, and all this new deception. Caught within the trap of deception, Merriweather remained innocent. He knew nothing of Neville's plans, the extremes he had gone to in the misuse of power, the food cutoffs, the military expansion, and the reorganization of Earth. Even if he had suspicions, he kept them to himself, out of fear of having the murder pinned on him. Because Neville was in the area of the murder, he saw his brother leave the scene, stopping long enough to assure him that he would get the cargo transport out of the departure hangar immediately. They would not get close to catching him as the ship accelerated far away from Earth, nearing the outer edges of the moon, as the ship veered off into outer space. And then came the Earth ships, three, four, five, and finally six. They lurked on the horizon, waiting for him to fall into their web. Computer, status of ships offensive. They don't have this capacity. Unknown, no factual information. Engage them, blast them from the sky with all appropriate maneuvers. Instigated. The computer changed the course of the ship to a new heading, veering away from the five ships. It opened up all the blasts upon the Earth ships, but when they responded with their course changes, the pilots were caught off guard, and the fire Earth ship was damaged by blaster fire. Jake 
by the computers in spreading formations, vacillating in a slow, diverse manner as Meriwether's ship swung back toward them. In the backdrop of the moon's glow, Meriwether's computer directed the blasters at the middle ship, but anticipating the challenge, they moved out out of range, and the remaining ships simultaneously blasted their violet-colored energy bombs across space. The sphere rippled into the side of Meriwether's ship, tearing it into three cracked sections. As the wreckage began to spin uncontrollably, it erupted in a momentary green and blue flash. In the end, only bits and pieces floated through the area around the moon's horizon. G8-51216 ECB, Commander. This craft has been destroyed. There was no answer from Taliban for the longest time, and finally the voice of Jim Pierce came through the pilot's helmet. Thank you, G8-51216. Return to base. Continue blaster fittings. Confirmed, said the pilot. ECB, we had no choice. I know he's an important man. He would have gotten us if we didn't get him first. I understand, said Pierce slowly. I just hope other individuals will be as understanding. Join us next week for another exciting episode of The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future by Robert P. Fitton. Presented by Fitton Theater of the Words.